0: Yes. hello folks, welcome to the weekly Manchester United show. Of course, I'm your host as always, Phil Brandt, joined my regular co-host Martin Warwick here on Beyond the Pitch. And delighted to be joined here with magnificent Ollie K. We had Ollie on a few weeks ago. Uh, we're gonna we are gonna release that audio where we talked to him about um the glazer piece that he'd done for the Athletic. We were able to clean it up a bit, so we'll have that out this week. So we're delighted to have him back on the show. Of course, Ollie was a show regular uh, from the very in, uh, beginning of BTP, so it's great to have him back. Ollie, how you doing, mate?
1: Yeah, very good,
0: very good. Let's speak to you again. Nice speak to you again. Now, it looks like football is going to resume, Ali, uh, some encouraging sense, with the last round of testing with no positive tests. I feel My feeling on this has evolved from we shouldn't do this to I think it's a good time now for football to resume. I think we've met enough benchmarks, enough milestones to be able to say, OK, it's not perfect, but I think it's time we should return. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it, it's a long way from perfect. I think I think um, uh, you know apart from anything else, people are saying uh, you know people have said about um, they want fans in the ground from a position of fairness and and you know sporting integrity etc. I, I think re- I realistically and ideally you want fans in the ground because fans make you know make the game what it is and and I just don't think it's the same. Um, playing in an empty stadium, but it's a situation where we've got to make the you know, the best of a of a bad, very difficult, very challenging situation and, and try and get the games played, try and get the season finished, try and get issues resolved and promotion and relegation and league titles and European qualification. I think it just has to be done um, now that it appears to be relatively safe. It's not 100% safe, but I think it's um, it's, it's as good as we can get. At the moment, and um, we've seen the Bundesliga do it. Um, I think it's time to, yeah,
2: try to see if we can do the same. Regarding the Bundesliga, obviously, you know, Phil and I had talked about it off air, and, and that first week was pretty, uh, pretty tough to watch, to be honest with you. Um, but it certainly got better. Did you think that's just because we've come accustomed to watching? ball in its new format, so to speak, with with no fans up. Is that going to make it easier to adapt to watching the Premier League in that format with with empty stadiums, being able to hear every kick of the ball and and hear the coaches speaking and stuff? Yeah,
1: I I, I thought the first, um, I thought, you know, I watched the dortmund Schalke game of, you know, that very first um, Saturday back and, and that was, I thought that was, you know, Dortmund were very good in that Seemed like Schalke were very, very out of the blocks, but I didn't really have many complaints about the, you know, the quality of the performance or the intensity of the performance. And you know, the Dortmund Bayern game was was I thought it was really entertaining. And I know, I mean, having said what I've said about about it's not the same without without um, um, without fans there. I think if you showed me that. Game and, and there had been C- a CGI crowd in there. I, I don't think I would have noticed the difference at all. I, I, I think it would. I think the the quality of the game and the intensity of the, of the games has been has been good a lot of the time. I don't think it's been 100, percent but then again, it often isn't by you know the final months of the season, and it or it also often isn't in the first few weeks when it, when they're returning after a three um, a three month layoff. I don't think the the intensity. Of the of the matches has been you know vastly inferior in the bundesliga because the crowd's not not there and i think that has been quite inspirational really the way the german teams and players and coaches have and, and, and you know, the, the league itself have gone about it by trying to make it as as normal as possible and i think we've hear we've heard a lot in um in England about clubs I'm not saying they don't want to play, but I think certain clubs have been putting up a lot of barriers and a lot of obstacles, and raising a lot of questions, more, searching more for questions than answers. I think some of the clubs um, saying that you know it's just going to be a lottery. There's no, going to be no uh, you know there's going to be no fairness to it, no sporting integrity whatsoever. But I think if you look at the way the German teams have gone about it, I think yeah, that there's as much. Uh, sporting integrity as you want to make you know, as you want to put into it i think i think you'll get out of this what you put into it and i think um
0: their clubs have i've got about it the right way and um um i hope our clubs will do the same i agree uh the standard of the game itself has, has definitely been great um and you know the first week we're comparing it to the last week of the premier league or or, or, or football in general so um, it did feel a bit strange, but once they adjusted, I adjusted, I had no problems with it. Um, <clears throat> let me ask you about uh, some of the signings are starting to happen. Timo Werner's big big signing of course started to happen. Uh, we've seen a cardi, two big big signings that have happened uh, in the last week. Seems like the market's now starting to move. Uh, other signings that uh, of course that are of interest to United. I want to ask you specifically about Young Bellingham because I'm not not whether it's going to happen or not. But one of the questions that he does have to ask himself that I think is for—we've talked in this show about how does Paul Pogba get back into a Man United midfield three, of a midfield three that look very, very difficult to to replace, to all complement each other. But if you're Jude Bellingham, you have to ask yourself the same question: Will I get in this Man United team? As much as I want to see him come to Manchester United, I could completely understand if he goes to Dortmund. Uh, do you think Jude Bellingham goes to United, uh, and if so, do you think it's the right move for him?
1: Um, I know they, I
0: know they, they're, they're certainly keen and they, they're keen
1: in the January window, and, and we're looking into you know, whether that was something they should do. Then, I mean, he's only 16; uh, he's 17 in a, um, a few weeks. So, I think if he is going to. Um, Move to a bigger club this this summer, which you know I really expect him to do because Birmingham are going to need to sail and he he's going to want to move on, and there's plenty of interest. So you know all the ingredients are there for him to move, whether it's to Germany or whether it's to you know, one of the big Premier League clubs. But I, he's really he's he's extremely good. He's extremely promising. He's you know he can handle himself physically. He's had a year in the Championship, but. I wouldn't necessarily expect him to be going to you know say he does go to Manchester United or a Dortmund or, or wherever I wouldn't expect him to be going there as a as a first 11 player immediately mm-hmm. uh, I, I think um you look at I mean how many how many players break into the very biggest Premier League teams and at the age of 17 uh, 18 it's very very rare you know, Mar- Marcus Rashford took until he was nineteen, Raheem Sterling was playing fairly regularly at, at Liverpool at seventeen but but that was in a team that was you yeah, know that that was a real transition season. It was as much because of um weaknesses at Liverpool at the time. I, I I can't see him being I mean famous last words I can't see him going to say Manchester United and being somebody who starts like forty games next season. I, I think I think he's he needs to regard this you know, next season as as a bit of a stepping stone, and um, if he's in, you know, if he goes to Manchester United or goes to Dortmund or wherever, I wouldn't think he would be starting every week. Um, or if he did, you know, if he did, you know, that that would be an exceptional situation because it, it just isn't the norm when a when a, a player moves at the age of sixteen. You know, I think Theo Walcott going to Arsenal, at sixteen, seventeen, and you know, he didn't really kick a ball the first year or two um so look, it's it's um I, I i would be yeah i i don't think it can be it can be a decision based on whether he's ready to be a starter i think i think you invest in a potential and you try then to to, to make sure that these next couple of years which are development years at age, you know 17 18 19 that he's improving and he's getting enough first-team football to improve, but he's getting enough exposure to high-class uh, coaching and high-class, you know, well, high-class football environment. Really, in terms of the dressing room and, and, and the training pitch. So, I think if, he, if he's not ready to, to start for Manchester United or Dortmund or whatever, then fine. I don't think that's a problem, but it doesn't mean they shouldn't still take a take a punt on him. I think I think his potential is there, and, and somebody somebody will take a a chance on him, and somebody will then have a, an opportunity and a and a duty to to develop him.
2: Obviously, obviously, you pay a premium, uh, so to speak, for for young English talent. Another one, obviously, being Jack Grealish, um, quoted about uh, eighty million being reported. If potentially Villa stay up, maybe that fee would drop. If they went down. Is that a realistic figure based on the environment we're we're facing ourselves with right now, and based on the the fees that are being paid right now for your team over and etc. Is 18 million a realistic fee that United would pay for Jack Grealish?
1: I I don't honestly know what what the market is going to be like this this summer. I think it's so hard to tell. Um, I mean, Villa last I think had Villa not gone up last this time last year um i think they would have tried to get 60 million pounds for 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 Grealish, and maybe maybe they would have got that maybe they wouldn't but um i think pre-coronavirus i think his valuation would have been in excess of that but whether um whether the same market you know whether the same economic supply now i just don't know i mean it's it's clear that that um clubs aren't going to have as much money to spend uh, but does that mean that there's going to be um, an increased pressure to sell for smaller sums I, I don't know it, it, it's just it's so hard and I, th- I think someone like Grealish had a, a sort of um, yeah, fairly clear inflated uh, you know, Premier League stroke English market value beforehand and I think everybody knew roughly what the price would have been um, I think he'll be an interesting test case to to see what happens because I think if you're Manchester United or Spurs, Liverpool, Chelsea, whoever, I I don't think it's I don't think going out and spending 80 million pound on Jack Grealish is necessarily uh, uh, something that you would um, rush to do in, in this climate. I, I think probably the you know I probably the demand. Uh, or, or, the, or the willingness to pay will be less than it was, but maybe Villa is still entitled to um, stick to their initial valuation, or indeed maybe they will feel that because they've missed out on other money, you know, with no gate money, that it's even more important to get that sort of top dollar price for them. So I, mm. I, I just don't know. I, I, it's a roundabout way of saying I don't know, but I, but I, I think the economics of it are. Really unclear from, from the point of view of
0: um, the selling club in particular. One of the things <clears throat> that did happen there, he never extended the loan deal of Igallo. Um, lots of people suggest mm-hmm. that they need another striker. Is he enough? Is he uh, is he sufficient to say that that front? Uh, of course, if they had Jude Sancho, is he enough? Uh, as a secondary striker of course he came in and done exceptionally well he also embodied the attitude that Solskjaer's working really really hard to bring to United um, but you see what Chelsea have done you see what other clubs have done is he enough as a, as a second striker?
1: Um, I, I quite liked what I saw of him in in um, in, in those few games that, that he played but um, I mean he, he did you know the goals were against uh, you know, Bruges and against uh, Lints and against Derby, you know, they, they weren't. He wasn't scoring against Premier League opposition, which is not to say that he can't. Uh, I mean, he was, he was generally coming off the bench in, in those in, in those Premier League games, and, and he looked he looked in the cup competitions like he could um, like he could you know, potentially score goals in the Premier League. But I, I would say he looked like at that point like a, a sensible short term addition. Rather than somebody that would necessarily, um, yeah, uh, have a sort of longer term or medium term future you know, at United. I mean, it's, it's interesting because it, the loan has been the deal has been extended to, to January, has not it? And it's yeah, um, it's, um, yeah. I mean, he's clearly going to be there there a good while, and and you would think that that possibly suggests that they're not going to rush to buy a centre forward this this summer either. I'd, I just don't think it's clear what um, United are going to do in the transfer market yet. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's felt, you know, I've heard that they, they were keen on Timo Werner, um, which suggests that, that they were kind of rethinking the way they were going to do the forward line. And, and Igalo is a completely different type of center forward to, to Werner. is a, completely di- different type to to Rashford and Martial um the fact that they were looking at Verna, um suggests that, that they wanted more mobility and speed and and you know build on the strengths that they have really whereas the, you know the addition of Igalo suggested a, a more of a sort of short-term pragmatic um you know, look look for a different dimension approach so I don't know whether having got and having missed out on Werner they they would then go and look at another centre forward or not. But it's it's interesting. You know, they scored loads of goals in the cup competitions, um, United. But I, I and, and they've you know they, they scored a reasonable number in the, in the Premier League too. But I, I do sort of question whether they've got enough firepower um, to be able to let me say to, to be able to win games in a way that's going to sustain them going forward. I think they've you know in terms of individual approaches to indiv- individual matches I think I think they've done well um, in certain games that you know the two games against Man City, the game against Liverpool, but they've approached those games in a very different way and I I don't know if they've really sorted out and found a way of playing that that enables them to be confident as they take the pitch week in, week out, I, I just don't know whether, whether they're at that point yet, where they've got enough firepower to be able to, you know, play these teams on the front foot and, and to be confident that that, that they can sort of outplay them over the course over the course of the season, rather than over the course of ninety minutes. I think I think there's still, I think you know, this United team is is yet to really fully
2: take shape. I would say. In regards to Jadon Sancho, um, not so much about will he, won't he come, but do you think there's any concern there with, with the maturity level? Obviously, I know he's only young, but we've seen him in the news again for this uh, breach of rules with the haircut at home. Um, Rumours of him being late for several sessions and Emery Chan telling him he needs to grow up a little bit. Do you think there's any concern there from a buying club standpoint um, about the maturity and the attitude?
1: Um i i mean i' interviewed him over in Dortmund uh what was it uh, early last year so twelve eighteen months ago and he was um he's a, he's an impressive young lad he's you know he's he's only 20 and he, he's he's yeah he handles himself well he's quite shy but he's um he, he talks well he, he's um talks sensibly he's been willing to take that um well not just that big move to to Dortmund which is definitely paid off but, but the big move from Watford to Manchester City when he was uh, 15 um he's you know he's taken he's he's been single minded enough to take that, those moves um but he's also i mean i'd say the fact that he um the fact that he um left Watford for Manchester City so early and then left Manchester City so early to join Dortmund and then he's very quickly kind of, um, well, his relationship with Dortmund has, has been, um, has suffered a bit and become strained a bit over the last, um, 12 months or so. And there's talk about, you know, him wanting to move and feeling disrespected over, over this or that. Um, I don't know if it's, you know I, I don't think there's necessarily a case where you can where, where you worry about his maturity in terms of that but i do think there's a there's a slight sort of buyer beware aspect in terms of the fact he, he does seem to get itchy feet or maybe it's his agent that gets itchy feet very quickly um that would worry me slightly um but i don't know i, I guess he's still looking for that stage where he feels that um he can be a big fish in the biggest pond he can find. And um, is that Old Trafford? I don't know. Or, you know is it at Chelsea? Who knows? Um, but uh, yeah, that, I, I think his, his you know, his, his behavior and his, his off pitch conduct and on pitch conduct, I, I wouldn't have a concern about any of that. It's, it's more the fact that he seems to leak. He or his agent seems to be constantly looking for a move and, Yes, that suggests ambition and and um, and uh, you know a desire to get to the very top. But I think to be going you know, Watford, Manchester City, Dortmund question mark by the age of twenty, you know that that's a lot. That's a lot of moves. Um, I, I, and I, I'm sometimes a bit wary of that kind of player. And obviously, he's he's one who is he's just. Got better and better, and 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 has, um, he's absolutely seized the Dortmund move with with both hands, and he's thrived there. But to me, looking at it from a distance, obviously not going through what he's going through, not being and uh, not having a, the the you know, clear knowledge of his, his situation, I think he's in a really great place at Dortmund. Um, it's a brilliant club for a young player to thrive. I think it was always going to be a um, a sort of stepping stone, stroke springboard back to, back to the Premier League. Um, and he, and he that, that has gone so well, but I don't see from, from a, from a football point of view, why, why he would want to leave because he, he's thriving there. Um, if he would be joining a club that might not be playing, playing the Champions League next season, might not be playing under such a good coach or with such good players. Um, i i i think he's in the best place for his his career right now and i, I wouldn't um i would rush to move if it was if it was me but then again
0: maybe he's being offered far more money so mm-hmm. so um it, who's to say I wouldn't in that situation mm-hmm. one thing i will say I, w- I would have been more concerned about this in previous seasons one thing i will say Solskjaer's given an interview to the eighteen website and he's prioritized ...certain types of players with certain types of attitudes at United that have to personify um, humility... ...they have to personify a certain type of winner's attitude and embrace being at United rather than having a selfish attitude. Um, And I think United are putting a lot more into looking at players' personality and their character... ...and do they fit in with what they're trying to build here at United... That's also the, one of the hardest things to change. I think Klopp done a fantastic job of changing that at Liverpool. of have changed in the attitude and the working environment. It also suggests that if you can change it, the players have a lot of respect for you as a manager to pull in that direction to, to support you. Um, do you think that uh, Solskjaer has done a terrific job or, or, or not done a terrific job, um, Ollie, with when it comes to changing the working environment at Manchester United? Um, I think it,
1: uh, yeah. I, I think certainly in the, in the very very short term, time, I think he did an absolutely t- tremendous job um, in terms of improving the the working environment that was that was so sour and so dark and so negative in the kind of months of Mourinho being there. And to be honest, it's been it's been a fairly dark, negative um, working environment for, for the past seven years, really. So, you know, since Ferguson left. I mean, there've been glimmers and there've been Times uh, under Van Gaal and times under Mourinho when things have been uh, relatively positive, but you know it's not been. Um, I don't think they've ever had the sort of environment and, and culture and, and feel and, and spirit around the place has been anything like what it should be the last um, um, seven years. I think Sosha immediately improved that and made it a lot lighter, and, and we saw the um results pick up. But then I think he, he's had a more difficult long term job to try to um to train, you know, try to change the culture of the dressing room and try to change the feel around the place. And that um I think that is 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 where he's he's felt he's had to do um most of his work and you know sometimes it is about getting rid of people rather than bringing people in. And he was adamant that Lukaku had to go. Um, he was adamant that Sanchez had to go. I think there's been certainly points where he was um, over the last 12 months where he's been uh, prepared for for Pogba to go, but um, whether that is still the case, who knows? Um, but yeah, I, I do like I do like the the, the way he's he's sort of prioritised. You know, he wants to sort of strip it back and get back to Manchester United values, and I, 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 a lot of people have said. People from outside the club, the rival fans, and people in the media have said, "Well, this idea of you know, the Manchester United way, the, you know, the, the 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 Busby way, the Ferguson way, you know, it, it's a bit of a myth it's, You know, they've just had happened to have two great managers, and 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 you know, you can't expect a club to have that in its DNA. And yeah, I know what you mean, but it's it's important that Manchester United play in a certain way. It's important that Manchester United um reflect their history in, in you know the the attitude of the players having that um you know having that sort of sense of pulling all pulling in the same direction and yet also having a sort of confident swagger at times as well um i think they've they've got the sort of humility back i think um over the last 12 18 months maybe in some ways too humble you'd say maybe they need to get the balance right so that there's a bit more of that swagger and a bit more of that um you know verve and willingness to take take the opposition on and and take risks and that's the side of things that they that they really need to um do next i think you know, looking at it logically i think maybe it's easier to or maybe it's better to to get the foundations right first and then look to add those other dimensions. And maybe that's the way Sasha has gone about it. Uh, I'm still, uh, I think the jury's out on the job he's doing as a, as a manager, as a coach, but I, I think the decisions he's made as a sort of almost like as a, almost like a performance director or director of football or, or, or you know, changing the essence of the squad. I, I do like a lot of the, what he's done there. It's just a question of whether they're able to attract the right players and, and, and whether he's able to coach them in a, in, in a way that gets you know the kind of improvement that, say, Klopp has been able to effect at Liverpool. That, that's the that's the leap that they need to make now. It's it's from going from a sort of top five, top six team to. Challenging for for the league title, and, and and that's going to take time, and it's going to take money, and it's also going to take um, yeah, um, a very very high level of of management and coaching.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, last question for me. I just just wanted your comments. And and you know, looking at uh, obviously the the environment we've been in with this pandemic, um, what have you made of United's PR moves? Uh, obviously, it's not been a strong point for the club over the last. Couple of years at least, um, but they've seem, seemingly come through this very well. Marcus Rashford in particular doing wonders with the community, and for such a young person to, to reach out and be doing so much good—it's um, definitely a change. And Charlie Brooks obviously deserves a, a massive amount of credit behind the scenes for that, also. Um, but you know, what have you what have you made of that side of things?
1: Uh, I've been impressed, really. I, I, I think I think, um, and I'm glad you mentioned Charlie. Charlie's a, a really good. Uh, guy and he you know, works behind the scenes and you know probably a, a name that most of the fans won't know but um, he's uh, yeah I mean I, but I, I don't think it's just been you know the, the PR department or the communications department I think it's been um, people making good decisions at executive level and and people uh, you know that, that the, the issue with um, not the issue but the 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 um, instance with the um, where they did it with the, the neon lights outside the um, uh, the scoreboard end, where where you know the, yeah, the NHS. they just had left those headset said NHS uh, lit up. I thought that was that was magnificent, and that was very very simple. I, I've asked um, asked somebody at the club to to tell me who um, uh, who was responsible for that. You know whether they would want publicity, um, but you know it, it was. Described as you know, it was just one of the team. That, you know, not I don't mean one of the players, but but you know, one of the team within the within the club um, had had come up with that idea, and it's yeah, it's so so simple. And I'm sure people at you know, Manchester City would would be thinking, God, oh, you know, would we <laughs> thought of that too, because it, you know, it was it, it it was it was a real it was a really nice touch, and and it really captured the mood at, at the time and and um, showed appreciation. But I think. I think United have done a lot of really good things. And, and you mentioned Rashford and Rashford's done some Incredible. amazing things. And, he, and he's, you know, you think of what, um, you know, Matt Hancock, the health secretary, was saying about, you know, footballers mm-hmm. need to do their bit. Well, you can't think of many people in any walks of life, footballers or not, who are, who are doing their bit in the same way that Marcus Rashford is. is yeah, okay. you know, a young lad. Incredible. And, a very young lad and... and still you know at an age where you know he should be he should be making mistakes left right and center like mm. a lot of players do but he's um, he, he's he's done he's done some wonderful stuff um stuff that you know hasn't been made public as well as as well as, well as the stuff that has um other players have you know Harry Maguire sending hampers um to um I think it's to people in um in, in I don't know in Barnsley or or, or somewhere but it was um uh, that's all, all nice, and I, but I think the club. Um, I've, I've, uh, for as long as I've been um, coming on this podcast, I, 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 I've very rarely had a, had a good word to say about about the, the way the club has been run um, and and the way the people running the club have, have done it. But um, I think in in this instance, um, I think you know that they, they've made a lot of. Very good decisions. Um, they've been keen to send out the right messages, and not just in a PR way, and not just in a in a, in a sort of cynical way. But they told the staff very, very, very early on: you know, nobody's going to be laid off, nobody's going to be furloughed, nobody's going to be um, asked to take pay cuts or or, or deferrals or whatever. And look, it's easy to do that if you're Manchester United and, you, and you've got you know vast commercial income and vast. Um, income in, in you know income streams that aren't affected as as, read, as readily as some of the others, um, but yeah, they, they uh, at another stage in, in, in you know the glazers at another stage in their ownership might have been very quick to um, save money wherever they could, but but they've they've kept pay, paying people in full. They've kept you know the foundation Manchester foundation has, has continued to do some really really good work and perhaps you know perhaps it's really that has really become the club's main priority out of the last few months you know there's been no no football there's been no um um you know no tickets to sale no um uh well limited limited possibilities to, to generate commercial revenue so you know that 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 work that, that, that Manchester United Foundation has done, um, and likewise other clubs, it has been great. But I think um, you know, Liverpool stumbled into a you know, PR fiasco with, with um, the decision to you know, initially to furlough part of their, their staff, and that that didn't go down well. And Spurs did the same. And I think United and, and several other clubs really just. Perhaps um, were more cautious and thought, well, let, let, let's see, let's see a settle. Let's see what what our projected uh, losses are going to be. And, and um, I think, in some ways, other clubs like Liverpool and Spurs rushing to rushing to cut costs and, and the negative PR from that probably made it even easier for, for clubs like United and and, and Man City to say, look, we're, we're we're not going to go down that road. Um, so yeah, I, I think United have come out of it, um, of it of it well, and I hope it. I hope it, it's sort of the beginning of um, mm. beginning of something for for, for United because I, I do think that you know, for all the good work the Manchester United Foundation has done, I do feel that the, the, the focus of the club over the last well fifteen years mm. <laughs> um, of the Glazers' ownership has been you know excessively. Commercial and, and mm-hmm. excessively marketing-based, and, and you know, at the expense of the football, but at the expense of uh, of uh, community and, and good PR and so on as well. So, I think um, you know, maybe maybe out of this bleak situation becomes a sort of realization of um, you know, almost like a back to basics approach, um, the same you know, similar in some ways to the one that's been needed on the pitch.
0: Yeah, I completely agree, Ali. I mean, we've been the most vocal critic of the Glazers and that commercial focus on here. So credit where it's due for United because they have done a lot right over the last six months, notably Marcus Riceford and others. And we've been also vocal critics of some of the players and their antics off the pitch. So uh, it is brilliant Mm -hmm. to see United uh, uh, recommit themselves to their community and other people. They're such an important reach. Um, You know, we, We haven't had football the last few months. United have done a brilliant job of reaching out to people, and I do commend them for that, and uh, it's great to see that, because they can make such an important difference to people's lives um, by doing the little things well, so uh, credit to Charlie and all the rest of the people at the club that have done that so, uh, Ollie, thank you so much for doing this, man, i always appreciate it, and uh, we wish you all the best, and hopefully get you back again soon Yep, nice to meet you Okay, thanks Ollie, bye bye, mate that was Ali there of course, from The Athletic. Uh, brilliant to have Ollie on. As I said to you before, uh, we will release the audio from um, the interview myself and Callum Dill on the Glazers, so uh, we'll clean it up and put it out. But some interesting things there, Martin. Uh, one of the things that I want to talk about um, is the Jaden Sancho deal. I hope this doesn't drag on. You're starting to see other clubs now making moves in the market, bringing in their key players. I hope that United make this Sancho deal happen really soon. I would hope that there's some sort of movement on it. It's not going to be continued speculation for for however long, for the next few months. I would like to believe that when we talk about changes at United, we talked about the changes at United, from bruno fernandes came in this is one of the other areas that i want to see fundamental change in. i want to see united being able to go about their business in an effective way that says this is who we want let's go get him i understand Timo over had how to buy a buyout clause i understand sort of the card on that loan deal so there are easier deals to execute but i hope united with Jaden sancho make this deal happen i understand what all he's saying about a lot of movement soon i wouldn't really count the watford the city move because look at a young age these deals these moves happen all the time um, City to, okay, uh, I understand some promises weren't kept. I, I, this is what I was told at the time between City and Sancho, um, and Dortmund was always going to be a springboard. But I hope he comes to United, if he comes to United and settles down um, and, and, and doesn't look to move within a couple of years. But that's also going to be incumbent upon United to give him reasons to stay. He is the player that I want to see come this summer, and I hope it is the one deal they make happen.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've, we've said this several times, and not we? That's the that's the big one for United. Um, it, it's tough. It it's just the, the climate as well. I mean, some of these moves are going to be incumbent on on seasons ending, which is going to put deals back further potential where you know where they would finish. Where where are they fighting for European spots? Are they are they fighting relegation? Such in the Grealish deal. Nothing's going to be done on the Grealish front until. You know, I would imagine till the, the fate seal of the Villa are down or staying up, because mm-hmm. you know, so much is going to depend on that. Yes. Um, with Sancho, look at you know, with with all credit and all respect to Dortmund, it, it's kind of the way of Dortmund, isn't it? They bring them through and they they move them on. Um, it's not Sancho's not going to be at Dortmund for, for long term, whether he you know manages to stay there past this summer. It's uh, yet to be seen, but even if he does, I don't see it being any more than another year or so before he makes a jump to a, a quote-unquote big, big club. Uh, you know, hopefully that is United. Um, I, you know, I, I brought that up with with, with Oli there just, just, it's just one more thing. Just when they started up, and I know they're, they're minor indiscretions, you know, this haircut thing, but the way he turned around to you know, and then was critical of the uh, of the German Federation for you know the ban being or the fine being ridiculous and outrageous. Um, I just sometimes get a feeling that you're not helping yourself in those in those situations and just just the little things just start to add up a little bit I, I don't see it as a major problem um uh, you know it doesn't doesn't change my opinion just like the the, the Grealish one with his um his bit of stupidity early on in the in the lockdown. But these young players, they just have to be careful. They've got to realise that all eyes are on them all the time. And especially if you're going to make these big, big moves. Uh, You know, if he thinks he's got all eyes on him at Dortmund, you know, as we've learned in the past from from big-time managers coming into Old Trafford, you know, the likes of Jose Mourinho saying, I know it was huge. Van Gaal saying, I know it was huge. But then they go on tour. I didn't have any idea. It was as big as this. So you know the spotlight is heavily, heavily on you when you're at United. You're never out of the news, no matter what you do. Can't make a brew without you know being in the news. So I would say he just has to be a little bit careful. And you know, fair play to Emery Chan a little bit for, for speaking out and you know looking out for him. Um he clearly cares for the player and clearly wants to wants to protect him a little bit. So uh, hopefully, uh, Sancho kind of t- heeds that little not warning but words of advice from a from a seasoned pro. Uh, but, you know, for sure, Sancho is the one we want to get out over the line and over the line as quick as possible. Uh, you know, and with the Bundesliga starting a few weeks ago, it'll be over a little bit quicker as well. So, um, But yeah, I, 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 I don't know how much is going to be done right away. I mean, there's going to be this adjustment period now of people just getting back playing. Um, so it's going to be some time before there's any major movement, I would imagine.
0: Well, I have to say, Matt, um, I, I kind of disagree on some of that. Um, I don't, first of all, I don't like what Emery Chan did. Secondly, I, I agree with Sancho. First of all, he got a haircut at home, right? I mean, there's still human beings in football shirts. I know the and you did rightfully say it, it, that um, it's a minor issue, but let's remember they're human beings. First of all, he they, they got, they got in trouble for the George Floyd thing. Um, and I think there's not a human being out there in their right mind doesn't agree with Jaden Sancho on George Floyd. Yeah, uh, it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. The kid get a haircut, right? And, you know, if Emery Chan wants to have a word with Jaden Sancho in public and private, fine. But Emery Chan doesn't need to be coming out and criticizing the kid and telling them to grow up in public. I don't understand what that accomplishes. I don't like that. I I, I think that's a bit showy to me. You know, Emery Chan isn't doesn't isn't exactly. You know a big, you know, a, 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 you know, take 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 a look at uh, if you ask Liverpool, you know, the way he acted towards the end of his career, you know, he could have been given, given advice to himself, you know, <laughs> so sort of, was his time at Liverpool, and you know, Jean Sancho is still a kid, he's still a young man, you know, and, and so if we're gonna when we look at previous generations, more right, where we didn't have the scrutiny that we have today, we didn't have Instagram, we didn't have all social media. Take a look at what young lads were doing in 18, 19, 20 What was I doing at twenty? What were you doing at twenty? I mean, we have to allow these young kids to be human beings too. And you know, if, if he gets a haircut at home, what's the big deal? I I, I don't understand the, the. I don't think that's a sign of a lack of maturity in his part. I think. Well, that it it depends. If,
2: if rules if rules are rules, I know. Is, but and I agree, they've got a lot of big kids. But again, I go back to what all the spotlight, all all the attention is on these young players these days, which and unfairly. Uh, they almost can't be kids. Yeah, a little bit too but much t- too soon. And then when I, you know, when I talk about Emery Chan, I'm you know, publicly saying it. This is one thing. I was more referring to fair play to for for sticking up for for for, for, for I, his views and, and and looking out for him. But I would, you know, I agree. Not not. Th- <laughs> come out in the press. I, I think, think you definitely have a example. point
0: when it comes to him showing up late and stuff. Right? That to me. It's if, there's, if, there's a rule, that, if there's a rule, if
2: there's a lockdown rule, if there's any kind of rule that pro- prohibits what you can and can't do, and then you do the opposite, yeah. But then, it, then there's then it, the, most of know, us live But a concerted effort to to break that know. rule. Whether you agree whether you agree with the rules or not is not the point. But right, mm. it, it's how you how you respect those rules. No, it's it was dumb anyway. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But more to the point, it was it was a rule that was broken, however
0: minor it was he knew the rules. but well, listen we all live life between the lines very very few people adhere to rules exactly right because there is a level it, it, so, it, it, it says speed limit six, six, 60 mile an hour we go 70 right so this is this is where life is lived between the lines right very very few of us adhere to rules exactly because there's rules in writing, writing and then there's the, there's life that, and so I think if she'll not be late for training that's not a subjective rule, that's objective you know you need to be there at this time, that is 100% so there's certain things that we're supposed to do um, that we never do, right? that are r- rules that we that are applied to us in everyday life right? and I think there's an article out there just to uh, apply it to here, the average American commits two felonies a day and doesn't know it right? so I think there's rules that are written that very few of us adhere to and there's life doesn't doesn't always does it doesn't always coincide with it doesn't always apply to rules Rules are sometimes I get what you're saying but I think there has to be some allowance for life and I think that if you're getting a haircut at home come on now right I mean I don't think you should be fine for that I, I just think that is Creating a ridiculously creating something out of nothing. I think showing up for late for training, it should get fined for. Right, no question. That's an issue. It uh, was dropped earlier this season um, by Dortmund for returning back late from international duty. That's something, no question about it. It should be better about. Uh, he, he was dropped by the under twenty threes for arriving late for training. No question. In 2018, he was dropped the bench on the under-19 game against Lafayette, um for, for with Phil Foden for both arriving late for training. Those are issues, no question about it. But I, I don't, I, I don't like what Henry Tan did. I don't think he needs to do that. I don't think he should be doing that in public. I think that's something you do in private. And uh, I think that's a bit showy for me. And uh, always, when someone's giving advice in public about being a perfect human being. Um, there's usually hypocrisy attached to it and I just didn't think that was necessary. But nonetheless, certainly there's certain, uh, as we go through life, mate, very, very few people can look back on their life and say they didn't make mistakes, especially at work or sport when it comes to adhering to rules. We all make mistakes. So if Sancho learns from them, okay. Um, you know you heard what what Gary Navel was saying about Tevez the last six months of his time at United. I'm sure these things happen all the time, but I'm sure that's something United will have looked at and said, this, this can't happen at United. Um, and, and if he continues to do that throughout his career, it will derail his career. I have no problems with his George Floyd tribute, none whatsoever, because um, I know we have disagreements on this, but the minute you start putting, putting emblems on shirts, then you have this issue. You can't pick and choose what issues you're, it's okay to commemorate. Right? you just can't do that, as soon as you say we're we gotta going to put a logo on our shirt to commemorate something that has nothing to do with football then you have to let it all in simple as that, because you can't say well that's this is okay but that's not okay, sorry that that doesn't work like that so for me I think there's a bit of hypocrisy involved there and uh, I have no problems with what Sancho did some of the other things that was quite interesting Martin, Patrice Evra said something today that um needs, needs pointing out to me because Patrice Avers said about um, a very very telling comment saying Ed Woodward went back on his word and extended his contract against his wishes when he said he wanted to leave and he had an agreement with Ed that he could leave then Woodward releases a statement saying that uh, we're delighted to confirm we've released. we've exercised the option on Patrice Avers' contract. There's two issues here. The fact that it was mendacious to do so and the fact that in there, and I don't know if this is something Patricia ever meant to say or not, said that uh, Ed Rupert said to him, you can't speak to your director of football that way. That's a very interesting comment. And there is part of the problem when you're trying to create a working environment that is positive, when you've got the people above you causing problems with players that are causing problems with their happiness, their, their willingness to be there, the willingness to play for the football club, you cannot foster a positive working environment with the people above you are undermining that ability by not keeping promises, by, by doing things like this. Imagine there's a player at United right now. High on earth can Solskjaer turn around and get him to pull in the same direction and want to play for the football club if contractual obligations or contractual promises are not being kept by those above their head. It's utterly impossible. So you know when we talk about when things that United need to learn from and improve from, that has to change.
2: Yeah, and that's and then hopefully
0: this you know this
2: coming to light has um, shown or, or raises the awareness and, and hopefully major major lessons will learn from this because as like you say it, it's impossible. Ollie he, is now in an impossible position, as you say. Um, if people are pulling rank and you know just the comment of a director of football, you know that's that's it's concerning to say the least. Um, you've got to hope that the big lessons will learn there. Uh, it's no way. It cannot be operated in that way. Um, players, you know, happy players, usually a good player. Unhappy players very rarely you know, perform. Very rarely perform to, to, to the capabilities that they that they should be. So, you know, it, it's it's both disappointing to hear that, but unsurprising. You know, it's it's the kind of things that we we were questioning that, that were going on. What were the reasons? What you know, what were the roles? And clearly, roles weren't defined, or if they were defined, there there was big grey areas in them. So you know, let, let's let's hope let's hope that you know, this, the the current environment that they're working in, the the, the way they're coming through this, the way role, the, the way all he's putting together a squad through this, seemingly in his mould tells us that lessons were learned and there's been a change in stance and a change of, uh, of priorities in the way they go about things.
0: I completely agree with you. Um, I want to ask you about, ask you about Van der Beek, Martin, because um, yeah. uh, Edward Mandershoi talked this morning, yesterday, I think it was, or this morning, I can't remember, saying that there had been firm interest from Manchester United. <clears throat> now, what's quite interesting about Van der Beek? Uh, really, really, a, a young, very, very good young player, a young player who can play anywhere across the middle uh, which of course will make him attractive to you. a young player who is a box to box midfielder can also split as an attacking midfielder, uh, I think you're reading some of his stats here, he's number 4 in the Eredivisie for um number of tackles as in the defensive role from a midfielder so he can also play as a defensive midfielder, that makes him very very versatile. I um, well, the think the encouraging sign of this is that United aren't just settling on one target and they're sending a message to other clubs about selling players like Luke, do you know what, we're not going to put all our eggs in a greenish basket if Aston Villa are going to ask for massive money and there's a very real possibility they could stay up. Um, then we move on. You can't ask for mad money for 80 million for a player who's still to yeah. play for his country. Right? Very very good player that he is. but. Uh, it's good to see now they're looking at other alternatives. If Van de Beek was available at say 40 million, would you take him over Grealish? Yes. Yes. So,
2: yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and here's the other thing on Grealish. You know, Villa have got very, very wealthy owners, very mm. wealthy owners. So, you know, question marks from do do they need to sell? Um, even if they went down, now, then it would become a problem more for player. I would imagine, and player would have to start pushing that thing through. So, I, I don't think there's a a, a massive necessity from Villa because of the wealth of the owners to selling, which obviously then presents a bit of a problem. You, you're going to get, you know, uh, something's got to give there. but 80 million, it, completely unrealistic, whether they stay up or go down. Uh, it's a ridiculous fee, especially in this climate. But you look at that, you, look, you know, interesting Grealish, uh, Kai Havertz, interesting there. Van der Beek uh, with, with already bringing in, Um, Fernandes in the look of that midfield tells you a couple of things tells me a couple of things obviously the future of Jesse Lingard Um, Mm -hmm. and then if you're if you're spending if you are spending 50-60 million and then you're bringing Sancho in as well does that does that tell you that that Pogba is is on his way I don't think you can bring a, a couple of midfielders in and and honestly think that Pogba would be a part of this would be a part of the setup as well so it's really interesting I like Van to Beek. obviously you know uh, p- p- supposed to be Real Madrid right so <laughs> there's a chance here for United to steal and I like him I, th- I think it's a, a player and obviously with Van der Sar over there it's um, you know he's being advised well and you know he's being advised on what United could offer Um it's a player in line with seemingly what solskjaer is looking for and what he's how he's trying to build and, and mold his squad um but yeah at, at that price it, it's a no brainer for me over a, drag, a jack grealish and maybe united are actually just trying to force villas hand a little bit um and and make it known that look it's not grealish or nobody there is now other alternatives and, and other targets there uh, and it's not how it's been in the past, where it's just been a complete uh, scatter diagram of of you know um, this doesn't work. All the eggs are in that one basket. If this doesn't work, okay, let's scramble and quickly try and find somebody. Seemingly, they've identified several targets um, who they've made known are interested in, uh, and maybe they they've they've wised up a little bit and are trying to play th- these teams and these players against each other, so we don't seem desperate as we have done in the past to, to make that one to land that one signing hence the reason that the, the Grealish thing just came out with you know how much truth in is, it, is in it we don't know but him being the number one target over Sancho now I don't believe I don't believe that for one second but there's a reason that kind of thing gets leaked isn't there um, look there's not not a, not a chance in this world that, that Sancho isn't the number isn't the number one target, but I think United are just letting it be known that there's that they're looking at alternatives and there's there's options out there for them, and they're not just you know as we've seen in the past naming the target and spending six months trying to get a deal done that uh, potentially could flop, and then we're left with nothing. Mm. So I think I think it's good that we we, we you know it's obvious that we we make, we're making inquiries, and these are these are solid inquiries. Um, to, to several top-level players.
0: Well, I think whenever you see constant daily changes of, now this guy's not a priority, this guy's a priority, there's just so much nonsense out there. We had Rafa Honnickstain on the show last week, and very few people in a better place to talk about this stuff than him. Uh, he still felt that Jaden Sancho would move to Manchester United. I will say this, uh, there's nobody more divisive, In terms of opinion, at Manchester and Paul Pogba, it's utterly impossible to give an opinion on Paul Pogba without it Mm. descending into absolutely disgraceful levels of discussion. Um, and I discussion and, and dragging the discussion down to a, down to the sewer level that I have no interest. Um, and alleging all types of ulterior motives when it comes to Paul Pogba. Listen, Paul Pogba. The only thing I want to see from Paul Pogba is be a, a success at Manchester United, be a magnificent player, and be the player that we all hope he would be. You cannot say I don't care what your position is. I don't care that he won a World Cup. I can name you ten players right now that won World Cups that aren't world class players. That is not evidence that he's a world class player. Evidence of a world-class player is you can sit down right now and name 5-10 games that Paul Pogba's grabbed by the Scruffanak in the last two years, where he's completely dominated as a footballer, where you can say, we would be desperately short if we missed him. But the fact is, we haven't missed him, right? United have not missed him. You miss world-class players on a team that is devoid of world-class players, right? So for Paul Pogba, at the start of the season, he had United where he wanted them. Uh, he was still a world class player. Uh, he was still a world class rep- reputable player. Uh, there was still enough plausible deniability for him to say, Neither are the, pro- are the problem, not me, um, and bring me in and I, I can go to your top club. Today, with everything changing, with clubs being very, very careful about where they're spending their money, if you're um, a, a world class, if you're a top footballer club and you say, Do you know what, we want to spend 120, 130 million, mindful of what has happened with Coutinho, mindful of what has happened with Dembele, you say to yourself, Why? Why would I spend that on him? Tell me what he's done in the last two, three years to justify that price tag. And I know there's going to be people listening to this that are going to agree or vehemently disagree. I don't care. You're entitled to your opinion. Paul Pogba hasn't done enough in the last couple of years. I still think he's a superlative talent. But if he hasn't, if when 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 this season resumes and he doesn't find form between now and whatever whatever the season ends, we you cannot turn around and tell me yet he is a player destined to go somewhere else, to Real Madrid or Barcelona or anywhere else, and be one of the top players in the world. You can't say that, because he just hasn't done enough. So, Paul Pogba has to remind the world of why he's rated so highly. At 27, we should be seeing the finished article. We should be seeing a player that has got all the, 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 the negativity, out of the, 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 the weaknesses out of his game, that we should be seeing a fully-fledged football player in his prime. Whatever the reason, whether it's injury or whatever the reason, that prohibits his ability to fulfil his talent in the next couple of months and, and really show he's a world-class player again, uh, he cannot expect to go to a Barcelona or a Real Madrid off the back of a big money centre. They, there's just better talent out there. If you're Real Madrid and you've got £100 billion to spend and you've got a choice between Paul Pogba and Kai Havertz, who are you picking? Well,
2: yeah, and, and you know, on that, on that point, he also couldn't leave and say that United weren't investing and bringing in top talent. You know, you just brought in Bruno Fernandes. If, if, if Jaden Sancho gets over the line, you've, you've got a top right back, one of the top right backs in Europe, um, right up there, you know, and you, you brought in Harry Maguire for big, big money, seemingly the best centre-back available at the time. Um, like I said, Bruno Fernandes, you got change. Pogba now should, should be looking at that and going, Hey, the, the the money's being spent, the investment's being made for the future. This is this is a team that is on the rise. It's on the up, and are willing to invest in the best younger up and up and coming talent and the best talent around at the same time. What what's uh, you know, and you're on massive amounts of money that you could you really couldn't get elsewhere. Hey, there's um, kind of the excuses are out the window, aren't they?
0: Well, in my opinion, this is the best football club he could possibly be at right now, and if. He turns around and puts in six months of fantastic form and goes. I wish the guy nothing but the best, nothing but the best, Um, and I hope he goes on and and is a success. Uh, But at the moment, if you're Mina Riola, you're going to find it very, very difficult to get interested parties at the very high end of the market because he just hasn't done enough in recent times to remind people of why is that, uh, why he's worth investing Mm -hmm. that type of money. but, uh, folks, we'll go ahead and leave it there within the show. Thanks for all of you for the downloads, likes, and retweets. Don't forget, our website is up, btpmedia.net. We also have a little thing on there, a little order of business. Uh, we don't charge for our podcast, folks. We try to keep our content free. There is a donate button up there because the operating cost, obviously, to put the website up uh, for lots of other things, such as equipment, such as our time, such as uh, trying to get merchandise out, trying to get other podcasts on our shows, everything costs a lot of money. If you can help us out with our operating costs, folks, we would be so, so grateful. Um... Whatever you can afford. If you can't afford anything, we understand. Uh, Keep downloading our content. The best, if you want to support the show, folks, uh, like us on Facebook or share, retweet, subscribe to our content. All that means everything to us. Again, I want to thank Manchester United for giving us Michael Carrick last week. Very, very grateful. We've got other big stuff coming up. Don't forget we've Darren Ferguson coming up, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, We've got some other high-end stuff coming out very, very soon. Um, and also uh, I'm making an announcement probably tomorrow, another exciting podcast that we've added to our lineup. Um, there's so many things going on here right now that we're so busy. Um, we're excited about it. Thanks to all of you for all the downloads and everything. Don't forget to follow my colleague here at MWallwork7 and um, my other colleague Callum at football underscore CFB. Uh, we will be back again next week with another United Show and, of course, through the week with other football content. Thanks, Martino. Cheers, mate. Thanks, everybody. All the best, folks.